This morning, I uh, want to speak a message from Luke chapter 2. There's two verses, 51 and 52, but if you want to go there, you can. Uh, but uh, I want to share with you uh, something that happened a couple weeks ago with me that, that kind of led me in the direction of this message, and that is that our, our Christmas program, there was a young couple uh, that kind of, he kind of grew up here, she didn't grow up in another church, but uh, they came to the, our Christmas program, and one of their daughters was involved in our Awana program, and I've not seen her for about a year, uh, but the last time I saw her, she was about this tall, and so when I saw her the other day, I said, my, how you've grown, she's about this tall, which, you know, I'm sure if you've had kids, you've heard people say, Look how fast you're growing, little Johnny or little Sally. But I, I was serious. She had grown, you know, quite a bit. And uh, she promptly said, well, in the last year I've grown six inches, which was pretty cool. But then behind that, this is the part that really kind of hammered a message to me. She said, and I'm still growing. I haven't grown just six inches, but I'm still growing. Um. And I wonder uh, if anybody was, would look at your life. So let's examine, you examine your life, your walk with the Lord. And today, is that how the Lord would respond to you? Say, my, how you've grown. My, how you've grown. I hope and I trust that maybe that's what the Lord would say to you, uh, but I want us to go deeper than that, to the place of, uh, like this little girl, but I'm still growing, not satisfied to grow six inches, but, not, but wanting to continue to grow. Now, she was talking about her height, and uh, I know she's spiritually very mature for a young girl, um, but what I want to talk about is growing spiritually today. Um, and I, this is my challenge to you is in this message will be that you would make a commitment to grow in the coming year. And at, the, at the, this time next year, that you would ask the Lord to inspect your life. Uh, and as he looked back over the year, that he would say to you, my, how you've grown. But um, that's going to take some work. But the deal is, that's what he wants to say to you. He wants to say to you today, my, how you've grown, maybe even more than just yesterday. But I want us to look forward rather than Listen, I, I, I'm honest enough to know that for me and probably many of you, as you look back over this past year, you probably feel like, and maybe I'm the only one, I'm not grown as much as I should have. Uh, and in some areas, maybe I've not grown at all. Uh, so uh, we're going to lay down what's behind us and pick, pick up what's ahead of us, Okay. So, just a little bit of background to this passage from Luke chapter 2. 
most of us that are, have been in church very long would say we're pretty familiar with this passage. Jesus is 12 years old and he went up to Jerusalem with his parents uh, for the Passover. So they're there several days. Uh, and at the conclusion of the Passover, uh, Jesus' parents, and they traveled in a group. So Jesus and his parents were to travel back to Nazareth. So because they were traveling in a group of people, I assume that the kids maybe traveled together Kind of like our kids did, they kind of hang out with a group of people, and you kind of know where they are, even if you don't know where they are. So they're traveling towards home, and they notice, oh, by the way, Jesus is not with us. So they turn around and go back, looking for Jesus, and we know by the passage that it was three days from the time they left to the time they got back to him. But after three days, they found him in the temple. And in the temple, I want to, to highlight what he was doing there. In the temple, he was listening and asking questions. Listening and asking questions. That means he was there learning. He was hungry to learn at 12 years old. Um, and Mary said to him, what have you done to us? Why are you doing what you do? And, you know, Jesus said, I... Do you not know I'd be about my father's business? And the passage says that his mom and dad really didn't understand all of that um, at the time. They didn't understand it. Let me read these two verses and we'll move through it. And um, after they had gathered Jesus back together with them, they went down, uh, he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept these things in her heart, and Jesus increased in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God, and favor with men. And those are the four things I want to focus on this morning about how Jesus grew and how he wants us to grow. It says that he grew in those four ways. One, he grew in wisdom. In wisdom. He also grew in stature. That's physical growth. He grew, uh, he grew in the favor in the eye of men. That means he grew socially and he grew in the eyes of God spiritually. So in these four areas, just uh, we need to evaluate our lives in these four areas too. Evaluate them today, then set goals and commitments for tomorrow in these three areas. And understand that he grew in these four ways. It was a balanced approach. He grew in all four ways. He didn't just grow spiritually and leave the other stuff aside. He didn't just grow physically, growing taller and taller and taller. He grew in all ways, a balanced approach. And that's what he wants us to do. That's who he wants us to be. So we'll look at the first thing here. He grew in wisdom. And remember, at 12 years old, he was sitting at the feet of the church leaders, and he was listening and asking questions. It didn't say he was preaching, and he probably could have. He was God. But he was listening and asking questions to learn and to understand. Why do we ask questions? Because we want to know why something, you know, you know how do you tie a shoe? You show them how to tie a shoe. 
We ask questions to learn and to, and to be informed about things that maybe we can't figure out without asking those questions. Um, but see, our learning should never stop. He was learning at 12, and, and like little Lindley, she's grown six inches. Sooner or later, her height is going to stop. But I trust that her spiritual growth in every other way will continue uh, to happen for her, that she would grow. So learning should never stop. It should be on for a lifetime. Um, and we need to know and understand the scriptures and be able to apply those scriptures to our daily lives. We will grow in all ways as we learn and apply God's word. And if we stop learning, we stop growing. If we stop learning, we stop growing. We can't grow uh, beyond where we are if we stop learning about what it is God has in store for us. I'm not an engineer, but I tell you, if you're going to school to be an engineer and you stop learning in the third year of your college, you stop learning there, guess what? You're never going to be an engineer. And when you become an engineer, if you stop learning there, that's where you stop growing in your ability to be an engineer. And it's the same way in our lives. If we stop growing, if we stop learning, we stop growing, and there's no way around that. So we need to learn more. We also need to remember more. Uh, Jesus quoted scripture in Matthew chapter 4 when he was faced and challenged by the devil. He quoted scripture to answer the, the request of the devil. He used scripture to to beat him back. And I wonder about us as adults, uh, do we know enough scripture to get out of trouble? And, and, and better than that, do we know enough scripture to keep from getting into trouble? Interesting question there, huh? Do we know enough? Um, and, I, and I'll say this, before I became a Christian, even early in my Christian life, uh, I had a couple of favorite ball teams. I knew every player. I knew their number. I knew their statistics. I knew what they did last year, and I knew what was being projected for next year for them. As an adult, I knew those things. And my guess is some of you are the same way. But then we challenge you to, to, to memorize one verse of Scripture. And what do us old people say? <laughs> Listen, I'm too old to memorize that kind of stuff. But we know all these other things that really, in the grand scheme of things, are really of no value. So really what it is, it's, it's actually a, an excuse. And for you, uh, listen, I'll hit you young people too. I know sometimes our, our teenagers and, and young adults, they say, well, I'm, listen, the kids memorize it so well, but, you know, I've not got to the age that my memories just doesn't work. But you know every computer code? You know every email, you know every push button on your phone, what it does and how to do it. I don't know any of that stuff, okay? But the, the point I make is uh, we can remember anything we set our mind to remember. We can memorize anything we set our mind to memorize. No matter whether we're uh, six, seven, eight years old or 62 years old or however old some of you other guys are that may be older than me. If you set your mind to remember it and memorize, you can do it. You can. We need to learn more. We need to memorize more. And when we, remember, when we memorize things, 
Listen, I'll talk about when I was in school. There's a lot of stuff I memorized in school that I couldn't tell you today what any of it was. So why did I memorize it? I memorized it to complete a test or to get a grade or to impress somebody. But I knew it all here, but it never got here. So to memorize things, to memorize the Scripture, if you only memorize it here and it never gets to here, it doesn't work for you. It cannot work for you. It cannot. So if we learn more and memorize more, then we need to understand more. This is the important part of wisdom. Um, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 20 says, Brethren, do not be, ch do not be children in understanding, but in understanding be mature. Um, it would do very little good to learn and remember and memorize things uh, if we don't apply them to our lives. And how do we do that? We take the things we remember here and store them here in the heart. Store those things in your heart. The scripture says we to store those things in our heart that we might not sin against him. That's what the scripture says. In Awana, that's something that we stress more now than ever. And I, I could tell a long story, but I don't have enough time to tell a long story. But I remember an Awana leader about 15 years ago in a conference said he was visiting a jail, witnessing in a jail, met a young man that had been in his Awana program. He had done every book and every verse all the way through the citation, which is about 500 verses this kid had memorized. And he was in jail. And this Awana leader said, what happened that you got here? And the guy said, I never became a believer. I have a photographic memory and memorized every single verse of Scripture. I could still quote hundreds of them to you today, but I memorized them to get my ribbon, my little trophy, and my citation plaque. You see, he had it up here, but he never allowed the, the Word of God to settle in his heart. Because when it settles here, uh, then it becomes real and becomes something you can live if it settles in your heart. That's what it means by understanding. And 15 years ago, we started in our Awana program. The goal is not to finish the book. The goal is to understand what the child is learning. I'll take a child that does half a book and understands than a child that does three books that doesn't understand it. It's the same, should be the same for us in our lives. Uh, I have a, a a little plaque thing on my wall. A guy named John MacArthur said this, and I, and I try to live by this as best I can, and I don't get it perfect. He said, what is not properly understood cannot be properly applied. What is not properly understood cannot be applied to our lives. Understanding is a key to learning. Uh, and this, I said, John MacArthur said that uh, Solomon said it too in Proverbs 2 2. It said, Apply your heart to understanding. Um, so, Jesus grew in wisdom, wisdom in learning, memorizing, studying, applying the word. But he also grew in stature. That means he grew physically. Um, and we would all, probably all of us, maybe not all, but most of us would have to admit we need to, to live healthier lives. Uh, the, the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 6 that 
Uh, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. The Holy Spirit resides here, and I guess the question I ask, um, are we making our body an uh, appropriate dwelling place for our God through the Holy Spirit? Are we giving Him our very best as a place to dwell? Um, so if we need to grow and be healthier, one of the things to being healthy, we have to also make sure that we get proper rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You see, we all need physical rest from our work and our everyday circumstances. Uh, if our bodies are tired, if your body is exhausted and worn out, it will have a negative impact on how you function mentally and in every other way. The Lord will provide us with perfect and complete rest as we come to Him. And you know, the truth is, in America, in the world today, we all worry way too much. We all worry so much that it keeps us from, you know, and I, listen, I'll admit to it too. Many times, many times, I'll be physically exhausted and go to bed and lay there with my eyes about that big around, thinking about what I should have done today or yesterday or the day before or what I have ahead of me. So two things there, I guess. One is those things that are past, some of those things I can pick up and do tomorrow, uh, probably most of them I should. But while I'm laying there in the bed, I can't fix it. And then what I have to do tomorrow, guess what? What I have to do tomorrow, I can't do till tomorrow. So what do you do with it? You lay it at the feet of the Lord. Let Him carry it for the night. Give it to Him and take the rest that He promises. He said, I will give you rest. But we can't rest if we don't give Him our worries and our concerns. And I'm not as guilty as some, but I'm guilty as most of worrying about things either in my home or in this body right here that I can't fix it at, at 11.30 at night or 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, and if I try to fix it at 2 o'clock in the morning and I call your house, i probably just going to make it worse, right? So why not rest? Why not rest? So if we want to be physically and, uh, and to grow physically, we need rest and proper exercise. Uh, now, listen, I've heard this one too in 1 Timothy 4.8 says, it profits little. And usually people that quote that to me are my size or bigger, okay? Exercise is a good thing. We all should do it. Uh, it's going to make our body better. Uh, and again, the, the verse that says it profits little is emphasizing those that spend so much time on the physical body, keeping it in shape, that they let all the rest of it go. And so there's no balance there. Uh, the emphasis is not on spiritual development, but only physical. Uh, again, it's a, it is important that we find a healthy balance between the two and develop a physical exercise routine that works for our physical bodies as well as our spiritual bodies. We also need to eat a proper diet. That's, a, uh, that's hard to do being a Baptist sometimes, isn't it? Uh, you know, Baptists are known for two things. That's baptizing people and what? Eating at the potluck. 
Isn't it true? And, and you know, the sad part is in many, in many corners of our, our uh, denomination, we're no more for the potluck than we are for the spiritual stuff. And that's, that's a sad testimony, but sometimes it's true. Um, but we need to, to eat properly. Um, uh, we need to back away from the, from the, uh, from the food bar. Um, it doesn't look like it, maybe, but I don't do the, uh, the buffet anymore uh, because sometimes I want to sit a chair at the buffet. You ever done that? Uh, but guys, we need to develop a better eating habits too. I say we, I can, I, listen, I'm the first to admit that I don't eat as well as I should. Um, but I'm also going to make a commitment to do better this coming year. Because I want God to say, well done. And I want God to say, my, how you've grown. And not this way. Okay? I want to grow in the ways that make a difference for Him. Uh, we also need, as we're, going to, as we're going to grow in stature, we also need to be temperate. Um, what temperance means is exercise moderation and self-restraint. That's where you back away from the potluck and back away from the food bar and back away from those things that maybe we indulge in too much TV rather than indulging in uh, a, a deeper dive into the Word of God as we live our lives. Um, 1 Corinthians 9.25 says, Everyone who competes for the prize is tempered in all things. That's where I talked about earlier that balance in our lives where we're growing in more than just one way, finding balance there. Uh, and if we're going to have uh, self-control, what's the best self-control we can have? And that is uh, letting the Holy Spirit take control of us. He'll control as long as we allow Him to. Okay? I'm going to say that again. Uh, he will control us as long as we allow Him to. And sitting here this morning, it's easy to say, yep, uh, he's got control. It's Sunday morning, I'm in church, and everything's right, and everything's well. And I'm right, I'm right in the perfect will of God because I'm in his church with his people, listening to a message. I've worshiped with the children. I got it all together. Um, the issue of uh, allowing the Holy Spirit to control, <laughs> I hate to pick on eating, but some of us are going to go out to a buffet probably. When we get done here, um, and I guess I'm meddling here. So you're going to say, Lord, how much of that buffet do you want me to eat? Or do we eat all we can stand on the buffet and go home? Oh, Lord, I wished you, I wished you would have said it louder what I ought to do. <laughs> right? Guys, allow the Holy Spirit to lead in everything that we do. He wants to lead. Uh, and if he's not leading, guess what? It's usually because we're unwilling to allow him to. You know, we, it's the old famous adage, we are, uh, we'd rather ask forgiveness later than permission at the beginning. Let's get the permission thing first. Uh, I'll say this, the Holy Spirit has never been wrong. And the truth is, he's not going to start being wrong for, in me. Okay. He wants to lead. we got to be willing to let him lead. Um, well, so, Jesus grew in wisdom and he grew in stature. But he also grew in favor with men. Uh, and I'm going to say he grew socially. We need to be kinder to
to our friends. Uh, Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Friendship is never to be taken lightly. These are the, i got two things here that I, that I love. Abraham was called the friend of God. How'd you like to have that? And I, I trust you all will live another hundred years, but how'd you like to have on your tombstone, God would chisel in it, friend of God. That would be okay with me. Uh, but also, Jesus called his disciples his friends. That's who I want to be. I want to be a friend of God. And I want others to have that same uh, uh, handwriting on that epitaph stone to be a friend of God. It is by our love for each other that others will know that we're his disciples. This to me is for me, it's critically important. My favorite verse in Scripture is John 13, 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, so you love one another. And by this, all will know that you're my disciples. It doesn't say, if you're the smartest guy in the room, people are going to come to know Jesus. It doesn't say if you're the most athletic guy in the room, people are, come to, are going to come to know the Lord. And they're going to know who you are. They're going to know your testimony, how you live your life by how those things. The scripture says how you love and care for each other in the body of Christ. That will be the ticket that gets punched about who you are. All men will know that you're my disciples. If you love one another. So if we want to grow. If we want to grow in favor with men. And yes we should as Jesus did. We got to learn to love each other. We must learn to love each other. And we also need to be a friend. A man who has friends must himself first be friendly. But there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You see friendship can be a bridge to bringing people and reaching people for Christ. We need to never become so focused on our Christian friends that we shut out those in the world around us that need Jesus. You see, many times we try to influence people uh, by what we know or how big the Bible is that we carry or how much Scripture I have memorized and that I can rattle off and rattle off and rattle off. I learned a long time ago, if we're going to influence people for Christ, we got to love them for Christ first. We got to build relationship with people. And you know, the, the sad part is, is too often when we've been Christians very long, we tend, to, we, tend to, we tend to only run with who? Our Christian friends. Because it's comfortable and it's easy. And the preacher will go preach to those that don't know or the guys that have that gifting or calling. Uh, guys, we all have that calling. We need to learn to love other people. We need to lo learn to love not just ourselves and cloister together and stay together and 
travel together and vacation together and only do things together in the body of Christ. How about your neighbor across the street or the guy down the road? The person that sits in the desk next to you. The student that sits in the desk next to you. The person that, if you're in college, the person that's on your study group that, see what I'm saying? Make friends and influence people by being friendly with other people. And the truth is people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Isn't that right? Everybody knows that. Um, and one thing for certain people out there are looking at you to see if your actions reflect your words. If your co-worker knows that you're a Christian, they're watching you at every turn and every corner. They want to, Listen, I know this to be a fact because years ago before I got, became a Christian, this is the way I lived my life. If I knew someone was a Christian and there were some around, if I knew it, I watched every single thing they did. And when I was not a believer, I would put stuff in front of them trying to make them trip over it. Now, why would a person do that for me? If I could get him to mess up, then I could justify the mess up that I was. But guys, people are watching. People are looking. And uh, if you say you're a believer, you got to live like it, walk like it, talk like it, and live like it that they can see it. Uh, so, uh, so I guess I'm going to go real quickly. I want to go to this piece too. We also need to know how to treat our enemies. Do you have enemies? Well, we know Satan's our enemy and all of his cohorts, all those that work with him. So we do have enemies. But is your neighbor your enemy? How about the guy that got the promotion that was, should have been yours? How about the person that treats you unfairly at the office or at school? Is that person your enemy? Well, the truth is, we too often make those people our enemy. But our enemy is Satan himself. Your neighbor is your opportunity, not your enemy. The devil is your enemy. Too often we lump those who do not agree with us into the enemy category. And I made myself a little note here. Um, talking about enemies that we might have. How about Democrats and Republicans? If you're a Democrat, who's your number one enemy? Well, number two enemy is a Republican. In the world we live in today, that's true. <laughs> I suspect most of us are Republicans or lean that way. Guess what? The shoe fits us too. The Democrat is the enemy. That is wrong and that is faulty thinking. That's faulty thinking. Our enemy is the devil. Those that don't agree with us, those are the ones we have opportunity to find a place of agreement. You see, I, I, I'm just going to say it. I am sick and tired of what I hear and see. On the, and Listen, I don't do the Facebook stuff too often and things. I'm sick and tired of people going after each other because of a political decision and not about uh, where they are with the Lord. I'm going to say it. Are there Democrats that are Christians? You bet there are. 
Are there Republicans that are? Yes, there are. So let's quit fighting and calling someone an enemy that we can use as an opportunity to win them by relationship and friendship instead of casting them out into the utter darkness. Um, they're not our enemy. And we make an enemy of people that should not be that. I got to hurry. So I'm, I'm continue to move on. Jesus grew in wisdom. He grew in stature. He grew in favor with men. The most important thing I want to touch on here is he grew in favor with God. He grew spiritually. In order to grow spiritually, we need to pray more. Another hypothetical question. Do you believe that you pray enough? Do you believe that you pray enough? I believe if we would be honest, we would all say probably not. Um, and this is a key area of our spiritual growth. Uh, and that's probably the area of our spiritual life that we feel like we maybe do lack the most. First Thessalonians 5.17 kind of kicks us in the pants because it says pray without ceasing. Um, but that doesn't mean to pay, pray repetitiously or continuously. It means to pray um, persistently and regularly. Um, to do that, yeah, we have our prayer time in the morning, maybe a prayer time at night. We pray over our meals, our lunch. But it's, it's in the times between. I think it's important that we understand how we pray. How do we pray driving down the road? It's, it's pretty easy. We pray for the traffic around us. We pray for our car, the car here, the, you know what I'm saying? We pray and pray and pray that way. Um, one thing, this is, a, this is just a true story. Just the other day I was driving and I'm, I'm coming up to a traffic light and it's been green a long time. It's been green a long time. And I'm, you know, I don't know, 200 yards from a light and I'm saying, Lord, keep that light green. Lord, keep that light green. You've done it too. Okay, but you know, in doing that, and the light's green and you go through it, then what do you do? Thank you, Lord, the light was green. Now can I make the next one? But what do you do if the light turns red? Boy, he must not have heard. No, we can thank him for that too. Who knows what's down the road? Got to pray without ceasing. Just pray for the circumstances around us as we go. It doesn't mean that we fold our hands and close our eyes. and It just means being aware that God's there and he wants to uh, uh, be involved in our lives even driving down the road walking down the street or uh, whatever it is that we're doing he wants to be involved there so we do need to pray more we need to be thankful more um, let me keep going we also to grow spiritually we need to read our bibles more uh, second timothy 2 15 that's the Awana key verse. The kids could quote it upside down and backwards. Be diligent to present yourselves a proof of God, a worker does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. To be diligent means to be persistent in our effort to accomplish a goal. Our goal should be to give our maximum effort to understanding God's word more accurately and then doing what? 
applying it to our lives. So be diligently diligent, and then it also talks about dividing the word. This speaks of the uh, precision and accuracy in which the Bible requires us in our interpretation of that word. Uh, in order to properly do this, we must be in the word of God. Uh, to grow spiritually, we also need to give more. Um, Malachi 3.10 says, uh, Bring all the tithe into the storehouse and try me now in this, that I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will, be no room, not, there will not be room enough to receive it all. So what we give will only go as far as we release it to the Lord, though. You see, too often we give, uh, I, I liked, I've seen this illustration years ago, we, we too often give with our hand like this. We give with our hand like this, and we only give it, we give it down to the offering plate. We give it down to the place where uh, it's, it's under my control. I, I got control of this. I think the Lord wants us to give this way and give it up to Him as we give. Uh, what we give up to Him, uh, I, I think I even prayed it earlier today, uh, we, can give, we can give the widow's might here and can reach the furthest, most foreign field in the world from the one little might we might give here if we give it to him in faith. So we are to, to give more. Um, I think it's important that we understand too, if all we give is money, if all we give is money, that's not enough. That's not enough. God wants us to give of ourselves more. He wants us involved in what he's doing, giving our time and our talents to the Lord. Uh, the Lord wants to use us in his work, and he cannot do that if we refuse to let him use us. Uh, again, I got a, a brief story that I'll, I'm not going to go into it very far, but I'll go this way. Uh, I know of a fellow that is a multimillionaire, and he gives money every week to the church. Every week. And his pastor said to him, why is it that you give so faithfully and so generously, and we never see you. His answer was, I'm too busy for church. But I want to give to God my tithe. And the question is, is that enough? And the answer to that question is no, that's not enough. He can do without a millionaire's money. But it can't do without you being involved in investing yourself, your time, your energy, and your effort into what he wants done. I, I promise you this, uh, if, if he's got to choose between your money and your time and, and you, I suspect he'd take you. Um, because to him, you know, he owns all the cattle on all the hills and he owns it all anyway. Um, guys, if we're going to grow spiritually, we got to give of ourselves more of our time and effort and money. Also, for growth spiritually, we need to resist temptation more. Uh, in Luke 22, 46, Jesus said to his disciples as they were, he went up to pray, he said, rise, pray, at least you enter into temptation. You see, they were sleeping in disobedience to the Lord. 
If we're to resist temptation, we must be willing to do the Lord's will no matter the cost. One of the first uh, scriptures that I memorized years ago now was 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation is overtaking you except which is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Temptation will come. If you haven't been, you haven't been looking very closely. Temptation will come. It is inevitable. But God has provided a way so that with him, we'll be able to resist that temptation and make it through and honor him in doing so. So we've seen this morning in our passage, Jesus growing. He grew in wisdom. He grew in stature. He grew in favor of men. And he grew in favor of God. I'll just use this as an illustration in closing. Many parents, when your children were little and growing, or maybe your children are still small and growing, when they were little, on the door jam or the door, or we used a refrigerator, uh, when the child was one year old, we make a little mark, put a date, uh, and we watch them grow throughout the year, right? Don't, don't most people do that? At least we did. Uh, the problem we had, we used our refrigerator. Well, our refrigerator is, you know, this tall. Well, my son and daughter are taller than my refrigerator now. So we run out of space. But you, my brother and sister-in-law, they used a door in their house. And they sold their house and built a new one. Guess what they did with that door? They took it off the hinges and it's still at their house as a record for their children growing. Um, to indicate the height of the kid as they grew. And the old, my, how you have grown. You could do it every year. And listen, our kids had those growth spurts. We would, we would do it every couple of months and see them grow. Um, but I guess the question I want to ask each of you um, if our Heavenly Father did that for us this past year, if the begin this time, January 1, um, 2017, if this was where you were, 365 days later, if the Lord would make that mark on the wall today, where would you be? Would the Lord say to you, my, how you have grown. My, how you've grown. Or would he just not say anything? And we would go, wow. I'm sure not where I should have been. I've not grown at the level that I should have grown. I, I'll go back to little Lindley's thing. When I said, my, how you have grown, she said, yes, yeah, six inches but I'm still growing. I believe that's what the Lord has in store for every one of us. Not just you, but for me too in the year that's ahead. So we're going to lay aside the mark on the wall of where you are today as compared to 
this time last year. Let's, let's leave that mark there if that's where you are today. Let's make a commitment today right here, right in this place, that we, and I'm not going to say a resolution because resolutions are made to do what? To break them and throw them away. We laugh at it, don't we? The, the one I made last year, I laughed at it somewhere along the way probably. Um, but let's not make a resolution. Let's make a commitment to a holy God. Let's make a commitment to Him that we're going to be committed to grow in these four areas. In wisdom and stature, in favor with men, in favor with God. Can we do that? We should be able to. In the coming year, 2018. Think every day. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you every day. And not say, my, how you've grown. But that Holy Spirit would say, how have you grown? And you would answer that question honestly before him. How have you grown? And I trust at this same time, the 31st day of December next year, I trust that all of you will hear from, the, hear from your Heavenly Father saying to you, my, how you've grown. And I want to say this too, and then I'll, I'll quit. Uh, when he says, my, how you've grown, I trust that you'll be able to say, and still growing. Uh, he's not done, so I should not be done in my growth with him and for him.